0: Hello, welcome to the podcast of Chesbro Baptist Church, continuing in our missions conference. This morning we had Brother Raleigh Hill and his family, who are missionaries to the country of Argentina, to the region of Patagonia, and uh, he preached for us this morning and showed his work. The title of his message this morning is, How to Be a Better Christian. Please enjoy. Well, it is always a privilege to uh, stand behind another man's pulpit. I don't take that lightly, and I hope this morning will be a blessing to you, and uh, be an encouragement uh, for you. And um, we've had a a church recently uh, ask me. They said, you know, uh, what is it that brought you guys back home so quickly? You know, you went to the field and kind of uh, came back on this on this furlough sort of sort of quickly, and. The reason is that when we went to the field, we raised enough money for our family's personal support and for our language school cost, And we just felt like God was leading us to be good stewards and wait till we had to come back for this visa time to raise the money that we needed for the church planting part of the ministry. And so that is what our purpose was to come back. But now looking back, I see that it was so that we, were, we would be in a place that God would get all the glory. Because he brought us to Argentina and we didn't have the money to make it happen on our own. We couldn't have connived or sold or, or borrowed to make it happen. Uh, it was being able to just watch God be God. And uh, what a privilege it is. You know, we have this unusual time in our country right now, and really in the world uh, with all of this virus and, and everything that comes from that. Uh, But I tell you, one thing that I learned in our short time in Argentina is that it's okay. It doesn't matter what we planned for. It doesn't matter what's going on. Is that God's still just going to be God, and it'll all work out in the end. We'll look back at it and and just say it was a blip on the radar, it was a hiccup, or it was just an opportunity for God to show himself mighty. I read an article shortly after it started that uh, within two weeks that Israel had already developed Uh, a uh, vaccine for it and that they were just in the processes of uh, you know working out the kinks and all that sort of thing like that and I told the family I stopped and prayed I said I am just begging the Lord that this thing it can only be cured by his people the Jews like I would just love for the whole world to have to come I ran come to them and ask them for the cure like, I would just love to see that. that that'd be better than the, the days of Jonah, uh, in my opinion. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, it, you know what, that God's just as much in control today as He's ever been. And that's what we trust in. We, we came back on furlough. We needed 15 new partnering churches. And in a month and a half, God already provided five of those. How great and mighty is our God. And we're just looking forward to getting back and getting to do some more work for Him. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 9 this morning. Matthew chapter number 9. Of course, this month being your missions month and uh, missions always being on my heart, I want to preach to you this morning um, a little bit about missions, but missions in the sense of that uh, it is the heartbeat of God. It is the work of God. I mean, it is the thing that Jesus Christ came to do. He said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Well, that's missions. It doesn't matter if it's here in Jerusalem or if it's in Samaria or uh, Judea or Samaria or the uttermost parts of the earth. The same work that we do in Argentina is the same work we did in the South as we were church planters. It's the same work, just with different words. Uh, We kind of uh, talked about a little bit yesterday how that uh, I did have to realize that a lot of the people we're working with, Uh, that we kind of have to start on on a beginner level. We don't get to just show up and just start doing the basics of the gospel. We're realizing we had to show up and start doing the basics of the Bible. How many books are in the Bible? There's an Old and New Testament that um, when you tell somebody to turn to a scripture, you may have to explain where that is. You know, and so we try to put as many as we can on our little, we have a TV uh, in our church. We try to have as many of the scriptures on there as we can, because even as they're turning, you know, we'll get them a Bible. But they they could be doing this the whole time I'm preaching. And, uh, you know, and you start from the beginnings. But the truth of the matter is, that's how I started learning. I just had the privilege to start doing it as a child, going to Sunday school my whole life. Um, If I missed church as a kid, I was probably in the hospital. You know, they say that drug problem. You get drugged to church. That's how I grew up. I was saved as a five-year-old boy at um, the church I grew up in where my grandfather pastored. And, you know, I remember getting baptized as a five-year-old boy thinking I was going to get drowned. Like I really thought my grandfather believed 100% that every part of your body has to be under the water when you get baptized. Well, I made the mistake of trying to get an arm up. (laughs) Next thing I know, I feel my back on the bottom of the baptistry. And I'm just thinking, I'm... I'm not coming up. I'm, there's no way. I'm, there's no way. If I tried to do that with Judson right now, he'd look like a cat trying to bathe a cat, you know, in there because his his swimming and holding the breath is not exactly a, at, at the peak of his abilities. Um, but, you know, I remember, you know, I got a chance to grow up that way my whole life. And so as we're planting these churches, I'm realizing it's really just the same thing. They're just starting Sunday school a little later than everybody else did. And we're just praying that God would allow us to be able to continue his work in their lives. And we'll be able to see souls saved and lives changed, discipled and churches planted all over that region. The region of Patagonia has 2 million people right now. And it's growing so rapidly now that natural gas and uh, oil has been able to be found there. And so it's bringing in industry and roads are getting paved. And you know many of these cities are doubling in, in uh, population every 10 years. And we're able to be there and be in cities, over 100 cities, with a 1,000 or more people that have never had a gospel-preaching church in their history. I didn't say Independent Baptist. I didn't even say Baptist. They've never had any gospel-preaching church in their history. So what a privilege it is to be in such an open place and a ready place for God to do a great and mighty work this morning we're going to talk about the work of God just a little bit. We're going to begin in verse number 35. Pastor, do you normally stand when you read the Scriptures? Well, we'll stand as we get ready to read in verse number 35. And it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And when He saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And and He said unto His disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that He would send forth laborers into His harvest. Lord Jesus, we love You. We thank you for all you've given us. Lord, I pray for a few moments that you would help us set aside the cares of the world, Lord, the needs in our lives, the needs in the world around us. But Lord, for a few moments, I pray you'd help us to focus in on your word. Lord, give us the strength that we need, the, uh, Lord, the, the heart that we need. But most of all, Lord, may we have your presence, Lord, for a few moments here and now. May you meet with us, meet among us, Lord. Stir our hearts and challenge us today, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. As we read this passage, we see that Jesus Christ begins uh, uh, showing us His work, and we begin seeing how that He is doing it. And so uh, it says that Jesus went into the cities and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel. I mean, the work of Jesus Christ has always been about the gospel. It has been about preaching the gospel. Paul, who is our oftentimes example Christian uh, in the New Testament, uh, he said, listen, I don't want you to know anything among men, uh, anything among me except for Jesus Christ. I don't want to glory in anything, say Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Again and again, Paul said, all the things of my life that would or could have been something, I want those things, forget about those things, they are Nothing. It's all about Christ. Even David, when he went to fight Goliath, you know, as he stood there before him, he said, you know, is there not a cause? And he's worked up about it. And he's yelling back to Goliath as they're swapping threats. And Goliath says, I'm going to take your head. And David said, I'm going to take your head and all your buddies' heads. So that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And you know, when Jesus came, he said, I came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. His whole purpose was the salvation of a lost and dying world. That was his purpose. And I love that we can see beginning off right away that Jesus went into the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel, healing every sick and disease among the people. Look, I wish we could still do that today, that's for sure. You notice how the faith healers got real quiet when the coronavirus started spreading everybody, didn't it? I, you know, I think Benny Hinn's in self-quarantine for, you know, the next little bit. His, his coat must have got sick because he can't get sick. So, uh, you know, but it, it's amazing how that works. But I'll tell you, if we could do it, I'd be glad to spend all my time going around smacking people. I mean, touching people <laughs> for Jesus. Uh, we'd love to be able to heal people. But, you know, the truth is we don't have that power. It was apostolic power that was uh, for signs and wonders back in that transitional period. That is not for us now. Uh, but what we can do is we can still help people. Hey, there's still a lot of hurting hearts. There's still a lot of brokenness in lives that we can follow the example of Jesus Christ. And hey, we can be that healing agent as the hand and body of Christ, helping those in need. Uh, I loved hearing last night about your testimony you you being able to use uh, your, your hand and your arm right now as a witnessing tool. Because there's always somebody else going through something. And it's just as easy sometimes as just saying, hey, I'm in that same ditch with you. Or I've been in that ditch before and God brought me out. But just an opportunity to help people. And we see Jesus Christ preaching the gospel and and helping people. And so what I want to look at this morning is there's a, a few things that I believe we can learn from this passage that we can apply in our lives to help us to be the Christians we ought to be, to help us to be the church that we ought to be. Now, let me clarify what I mean by that. The Christians we ought to be, that's individual. The church that we ought to be is us individuals working together as one body. We're a team. That's what every church is. It's a group of believers, baptized believers, who have voluntarily joined themselves together for the purpose of carrying out the Great Commission. That is what the church is. That's how it's a living organism. Just like our body is made up of of hundreds of millions of cells, each one of you is a cell to make up this part of the body of Christ. I mean, we're we're in it together. And so uh, some things that we can look at both individually and collectively to be able to better serve the Lord. I think as we see this passage, the first thing is that we ought to see how God sees. We ought to see how God sees. It is so easy for us to disagree and discount anyone who does not view the world the way we do it. Now I'm going to say something and don't put this part on the internet preacher. I have voted for a Democrat in the past. Don't tell anybody. When I first voted, I voted for a Democrat as our governor. Now, It was Zell Miller who attended the Republican National Convention and was asked to leave the Democratic Party because he was more Republican than he was Democrat. And when you compared him beside the other guy, it was like, it was hands down. He was the only Democrat I ever voted for. But in those days, that was all we knew growing up was a Southern Democrat that was actually conservative. And so when my Memaw started hearing people talking about Democrats... She was all fired up. She was ready to hurt somebody because she's thinking about these conservative people she had known her whole life, not realizing a shift had been taking place over those years. And she was upset. I've only seen her more upset one time with people disagreeing with her, and that was over Tim Tebow. She couldn't stand him. Now, for a different reason than I couldn't stand him. Now, I am from Athens, Georgia. I apologize. I will make no cracks against LSU, mainly because they stomped everybody's tail all year long, and you can't argue with that. But (laughs) one thing we can agree on is it's great to be a gator hater. All right? So whether you're from Georgia or you're from Louisiana, we can all agree we hate the Florida gators. And so I thought that that was the reason my Meemaw was so upset about Tim Tebow. Come to find out, she was upset because he was scoring all them touchdowns and wasn't sharing the football with those other players, letting them score. I said, Meemaw, please do not ever watch football again. I love you, but I can't take it. But if anybody talked about how good Tim Tebow was, she would get irate. And I remember thinking, if there's one thing that my Meemaw is going to teach me in her older years, it's how to be a little bit better at disagreeing with people. <laughs> but it is easy, whether it's political or religious, all the things, the hot button issues you try to avoid at family reunions, unless it's like mine, and then you're looking for them. <laughs> You know, I think my dad, we would travel seven hours from Athens, Georgia, uh, back over to uh, Louisville, Mississippi, just so that my dad could get together with all of his uh, eight, uh, seven brothers and two sisters and all the cousins, so he could aggravate as many of them as possible. Like, it was worth a seven-hour drive to infuriate the family. And, uh, but you know, I mean, the, the truth is, it is easy to just push it off. That's not what God did. That wasn't what Jesus Christ's manner was. See, his manner was, it says that he looked at the people. Hey, he was healing them. He was preaching the gospel. said so that when he saw them, he saw their need. He he recognized that they were sheep without a shepherd. Uh, a few months before we went to Argentina, actually I think it was right after our survey trip. No, it was before our survey trip. A few months before we were getting ready to go. Um the church that we had uh, visited with, some missionary friends of ours, Brother Jason King was there as, uh, as the missionary, the lead missionary, had had gone. And after the Sunday night service, they broke in, two people broke in and robbed the church at gunpoint. And uh, Argentina, it's not if you'll get robbed, it's when. Uh, for us, we live in a really safe city, but we still expect it at some point it'll happen. But at least we don't have bars and windows. Well, they live in the capital city, 15 million people. They started a church in the roughest part of that city, you can imagine. So no real shock, but they got robbed at gunpoint. And one of his children just asked him, said, Dad, why would those, those hateful people come in and, and threaten our lives and, and steal all our money? And he said, listen, hey, don't be upset at them. He says, it's just lost people acting like lost people. Man, that has smote my heart ever since I heard him say that and it's helped me. You know, when people are a little worldly and filled with sin and sometimes vehement against the things of God, I'm realizing the enemy is still the enemy, and it's not them. They're just a mouthpiece, lost people acting like lost people. And if we're going to make a difference in this world, if we're going to be the kind of Christian we ought to be, and we're going to be the kind of church reaching the world that we ought to be, and if I'm going to be the kind of missionary that we're supposed to be, why I'm going have to start seeing things the way God sees them. Not only do we need to see things the way that God sees them, but we need to feel about those things the way that God feels about those things. I mean, how many of you have ever quoted that verse about, Be angry and sin not? Oh, yeah, because I have one emotion. It's anger. We just have varying levels of that anger. That's just the truth. Sometimes it's frustration, and then sometimes it's really mad, and then sometimes it's I need blood pressure medication. I mean, you know, I have a stupid allergy. I'm just being honest. I know we're not supposed to use that word. Most of the little kids are gone. and You know, every time they come, my blood pressure goes up. I start breaking out in sweats. You know, I have just this uh, irritation that comes over me, and so I think it's a legitimate medical condition. But as I drive, and there are people that I realize went to Kmart before it closed and got their license and they can't drive, I found that it's better for me to show up and preach, uh, to show up the night before than drive in and just have to preach. These poor people tonight after I'm going to drive for four hours and then I'm supposed to get in the pulpit and preach, I, I just hope the Lord is just so gracious and kind because I'm probably going to be a little frustrated by the time I get there. Because when these people with Florida Gator stickers on their car and They cut you off, you know, I just don't, I don't feel fuzzy about that. I don't just automatically, by my nature, I don't just say, oh, bless your heart. That's sweet. Go go right ahead. You can go first. You know, I'm just dripping with the goodness of Jesus Christ. You just, you go right on ahead. You don't need that blinker. It's okay. It's fine. Sure, stop for that imaginary bunny in the road. It's okay. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I don't wake up that way. Uh, I genuinely wake up the opposite of that. My children know that if you wake me up, that you need to back away from me. You need to be out of arms and feet reach and allow me three seconds before you begin speaking to me. Because, listen... I don't know about some of you guys, but I think me and the Holy Spirit, I might still be on dial-up, okay? So I need about a three-second buffer time for the Holy Spirit to begin working and to kind of calm my flesh down so that when my kids come in and they wake me up in the middle of the night, I usually wake up just ready to swing it and, you know, ready to just hit somebody. And so I always tell them, just back up. If you're going to wake me up, we need time for the Lord to get involved in this thing. I don't just naturally just feel like being around a million people every day. I know some of you might. You might wake up and just say, oh, where's a crowd I can go get in? I, I don't really feel that way. <laughs> so I need the Lord to get involved in, my, in this Christian life because without Him, it's just life, and life's ugly. And if I'm going to be any kind of Christian I need to be or any kind of missionary I need to be, I need God to do it. I live in a socialist country. I'm as American as they come. I am true blue, I am true red, white, and blue. I mean, at our house, I flew a five by eight American flag on our telephone pole in the front yard, okay? Uh, I would keep a come and take it and don't tread on me flag rolled up in the dash pocket of my Jeep for just in case. I mean, I am all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and own as many guns as possible. But yet we live in a socialistic country Uh, where 99.9% of all those wonderful things I just said are not possible. And I love it. I genuinely do. I'm ready to go back home because my home is now in Patagonia. Do you know how that happened? God got a hold of my heart. I had to realize that I had to start seeing the people like God sees them. Then I need to start feeling about those people the way God did. And it says here in this verse that he was moved with compassion upon them. Sometimes we can say, well, I don't see it the way they see it, but it's okay. I'm fine that we're different. Well, that's acceptance. It's not compassion. But the first thing we've got to do is just say, okay, well, they're, they're different. That's all right. But then we need to have a heart of compassion. And say, yeah, you know what? They're different, but God still loves them, and I'm going to do my best to still help them. Notice nowhere in that did I say go be like them. A lot of people want to try to say, oh, I become all things to all men that I may reach, uh, reach some. Don't twist the Bible like that. That's not what Paul said. Paul never said go be like sin to reach sin. Don't go to bars and start trying to reach bars. But you know what? That people come out of those bars drunk and staggering and wasted, their lives still deserve to be loved. And they still deserve to be given the gospel and try to be brought back out of that. I was a high school dropout and a teenage alcoholic. I know missionaries are supposed to be something special, but you all got a bum deal. You got a regular person, all right, that God had to get a hold of. And so now I'm in a country where oftentimes the, the husband will become an alcoholic and the family just gets torn apart. And, and I'm thinking, you know what, Lord? Lord? I know you didn't choose for me to go through and make the decisions I made, but I hope you'll help me help these men to get back out of that ditch, to help them to find that same way. And, and you know what? I didn't do a, some whatever step program and all that. I had a praying daddy and the Word of God constantly being preached. And he said, if you're going to live in my house rent-free, you've got to go to church at least on Sunday morning. Well, I needed the money. So I went to church every Sunday morning. You know what? I got preached at every Sunday morning. The preacher could preach on anything, and I think I was under conviction because I was probably guilty. Whatever it was, I probably did it that week. But the truth of the matter is is it kept me close enough that when a friend of ours was shot and killed, that God got a hold of our heart and brought with us back to church. And now my older brother's my sending pastor. My younger brother's also a preacher, and he assists there in the church. God took a bunch of old sorry rednecks and cleaned us up and just made preaching rednecks but it's okay i'm thankful but you know what i'm just praying that god will help me to have a genuine heart of compassion for the people that he's placed before us and if you're going to be the church that you need to be you're going to need to pray that god's going to help you to have compassion for the people that you live among the coworker that drives you nuts the lady at walmart who is the slowest cashier that has ever existed in the history of Walmart. Every one of us has one. We, and you avoid her because you've been there enough times now that you know, oh, that line ain't worth it. I'll self-check out. <laughs> I mean, I should get the Walmart Employee of the Month at our Walmart Ringgold. I checked out a whole load of groceries, and half the time, everybody else is over there yeah. done. And I didn't get double charged for anything. So, I mean, <laughs> I deserve that Employee of the Month. But the truth is, it will take a conscious decision to be like Christ. The Christian life just doesn't wake up and just happen. It's going to take us deciding that, hey, I want to be thankful. I want to show the Lord that I am thankful, that He died on the cross for me, and that I'm not laying in a ditch somewhere on drugs, that that I'm not uh, on my way to hell, that I've... Accepted Him as my Savior. I know that my eternal destiny is secure. Because of all He's done, I want to live out my gratitude. What's got to be done on purpose? We're going to have to see things the way God sees it. We're going to have to feel as God feels. Then we're going to have to work like the Savior works. And He said, when He looked at His disciples, He said, disciples, the is. Is truly plenteous. He said, but the laborers are few. He said, I'm not trying to build the biggest group under myself. He said, I need you to pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into that harvest. Look, I love coming to church, but this is our huddle to go out and do the work. This is the worship, the recharge, giving God the honor and glory for everything that He has done, everything He is doing. This is the time we come together so that when we walk out these doors into our own mission fields, that we are the laborers sent forth into the harvest. But also, we ought to be praying, Lord, help us to send laborers. Lord, keep calling laborers. Lord, bless your laborers in the harvest. You know, here we see that Jesus Christ, He said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that He will send forth laborers into His harvest. He's not talking about Himself. He's referring to the Holy Spirit because the Bible says that He is the one that letteth. He is the one uh, that comes in and lives in our hearts. He's saying you need to pray that the Holy Spirit will call people. And that He will send those people. And that He will bring in this harvest. Now, it's all for Jesus Christ. But He said, You need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to get involved in this. If we're going to work how the Lord wants us to work, we're going to have to do it as Spirit filled Christians. We're going to have to do it as a Spirit filled church. Speaking of that spirit-filled church, how many of you like good preaching? Raise your hand. Well, don't ever blame your pastor if you don't feel like you got it. Especially if you didn't pray for him all week long. Especially as he's working a job, taking care of his family, going through the same things that you're going through every week and then trying to get in the Word of God and dig out some new thing to help you feel better about your life, sometimes the way we come to church for But the truth is, dig out a spiritual truth that will help change us into the person of Christ that we ought to be. Look, he needs help. How's he going to get help? Well, because you prayed. Bring the Holy Spirit with you. I mean, listen, we've all been in some of those churches where you knew. I pastored a little church I shared with a preacher yesterday that if if I didn't bring the Holy Spirit with me, he wasn't coming. (laughs) Nobody else was going to bring him. I mean, I, the first Sunday I was voted in by 100%. First Sunday, half the church had already left before I ever even got there. Well, what a blessing. <laughs> I learned for a while that you better get excited about the Lord and bring Him with you. But the truth is, if we want to help our church and help our pastor, let's, let's come in ready. Let's come in spirit-filled. Let's do the work of God the way He wants the work done. And how is that work supposed to be done? In the power of His Holy Spirit. God's taught me some great things in Argentina because he put it in real life actions where I can put times and dates and faces and places on Bible verses that I've learned throughout my life. He allowed faith to become sight because now I can point back and I can say, look what God has done. And let me tell you, the work that God has done is a whole lot better than anything I've ever tried to do in my life. We joke about that my older brother, he has the Midas touch. Whatever he can touch turns to gold. He can make money doing anything. I have what we call the minus touch. <laughs> Whatever I touch could turn to rust. I may could give you the best idea to make a million dollars. And it works, and you make 10 million. And I go do it and lose everything. The, do it the same way. Whatever reason, it was not in the cards. It was not in God's will for me to ever make money. Just not there. And so every time God does something amazing and does something mighty, I'll have to question who did it. <laughs> oh, well, that's still working. Oh, God did that. That turned out good as the Lord. People are like, oh, you're just being humble. Oh, no, I've just seen it in my life. <laughs> it's just reality. <laughs> My wife knows. I tried to tell her before we got married. We met at West Coast Baptist College. I was there my senior year, and and we met. And as we had both been engaged before, and they considered us to old people because we were almost twenty five, you know, there. And so they're thinking, oh, we got to really get them together before they die single. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, we're talking. We're just being honest with each other. We're kind of the place in our lives where we're just done with the stuff, the junk. And I told her, I said, honey, now look. Uh, I said, Cassie, you just need to know I have got the worst luck ever. Everybody refers to me as Murphy. If it can go wrong, it will go wrong. It's just, it's just the story of my life. I'm telling you, if it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any. Did I not tell you that before we got married? She did not believe me. She thought I was joking. Honey, would you say five years after our marriage, you were thoroughly convinced that I told you the truth? I remember the day that I finally... We were just feeling run over, and I, just, and I just said, you know what? Maybe I'll just ask the Lord to, to give us a reprieve. And she's like, you have it yet? <laughs> <laughs> and I just stopped and just said, you know what, Lord? I want to be a blessing, and I want to help other people, but can we just call a timeout, and we get some blessings rolling for a little while, maybe just to ease things up? I remember that. Shortly after that, we were able to buy a house and, and, and things just kind of started going uh, well. And I'm thinking, I can't believe I didn't start praying that earlier. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, everything in our lives is better when we are out of the way and we let God, through the presence and power of His Holy Spirit, work through us. Because when we let the Holy Spirit work through us, it's easier to see how God sees Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's easier to feel how God feels when the Holy Spirit's inside. We're bringing every thought into captivity and just saying, Hey, Lord, I'm giving it to you. It's yours. And it's a lot easier to do the work that God's called us to do when we're doing it through His Holy Spirit. Truth of the matter is, it's got to be on purpose, and it's got to be every day. And it's going to take sacrifice. Because sin is easy. Avoiding sin is a lot more difficult. But just take it to Him. Let Him be the one that just clears it all out. God has called us to the region of Patagonia. And as I said, I don't look at it as just reaching Patagonia. But our goal for the first 10 years in Patagonia is to start 10 churches in 10 years. We can't do that. It is not physically possible for me and my wife and our family to start 10 churches personally in 10 years. We need God to save some young men, call them to preach, allow us to train them, them have the heart and willingness to go out and plant these other churches along with us. It's the only way it can work. Guess what that's going to take? him we spend all of our lives trying to reach the world and do the possible well let's just we can do this forget what we can do what can God do what can he do with his work if we'll just decide, you know what, Lord, I'm done with doing the possible and what we think we can get done. What by faith can we step out and do, Lord, and be a part of that you can do? What is it, Lord, that we can look at and we can dream and see that's impossible but God? And step out by faith and watch our miracle working God just show us how mighty he is. I can tell you from our personal experience this year, nothing has been greater than watching our Lord show us how big He is. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you, how many of you would like to see God do something special in your life personally? Would you just lift your hand so that I can pray for you? will want to ask you to move or come. I just want to pray for you. Thank you. How many of you could say that you want to see God do something miraculous? right here in this church. Would you just lift your hand up? I'd love to see God do something miraculous. Every hand raised. Thank you so much. Let me tell you, church, it's only going to happen when us as individuals decide to be spirit-filled and get a heart for other people and look for opportunities to share Jesus Christ, who He is, and what He has done in our lives with the world around us.